Hi, and welcome to this audio edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. On this program, we discuss polygamy and Mormon fundamentalism from a biblical Christian perspective. We talk about the history of polygamy, its modern-day fruit, share stories from people who have escaped polygamy, and talk about current events relating to polygamy. You can learn more about the video edition of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. And now, here's Doris. Welcome to our show tonight, Polygamy, What Love Is This? And I'm your host, Doris Hansen. We're here every Thursday night to talk about things pertaining to polygamy, whether it's biblical, early Mormon, or present-day polygamy. And, of course, our co-host guest, Earl Erskine, is again with us tonight. Thanks for having me. And thanks Appreciate for being it. here. And Thank you. again, we've got an interesting script to, yeah, kind of to go through. Kind of finishing from last week a little bit. Huh? Yeah, finishing yeah. as much as we can yeah. from last week. Before we get started, however, I have an announcement that I'd like to make. I have, have the privilege of being invited to speak at the men's breakfast at Aldersgate United Methodist Church this Saturday morning in Brigham City. The address is 235 East, 850 South. The breakfast begins at 8 a.m., and I'll begin speaking about 8.45 a.m. And although it's a men's breakfast, I've been assured that everyone is invited, men and women alike. And uh, it would be interesting to have you come if you're interested in coming. Um, I'd like to meet old friends and even make some new ones. So it would be at the Aldersgate uh, United Methodist Church in Brigham City at 8 a.m. Uh, this Saturday morning, May 9th. Both Earl and I have often um, received requests from our viewers to address certain topics on the show. Uh, some have requested that we talk about our beliefs instead of picking on someone else's beliefs. Um, so we decided that we would take two shows to discuss what we believe as, as we answer yes. emails and questions. So oh. there's going to be kind of a mixture here of the questions and, and what they believe as opposed to right. what we believe. By the end of tonight's show, we will have basically covered the foundational beliefs that we embrace. As we said last week, we do hope that if you're easily offended whenever we mention the LDS side of the Mormon fence, that you will try to understand that we are merely answering questions that LDS people have asked. They've asked and so we will answer. Because polygamists and LDS believe in the same basic doctrines, often our topics can easily apply to both sides of the fence, both the LDS and the, right. and the polygamists. So we'll continue where we stopped last week with another question from a viewer. It says, uh, you keep saying that Abraham was not really a polygamist, but what about Hagar? Abraham lived the principle just like Mormon fundamentalists do today, didn't he? Now, they <laughs> use the word, the phrase, the principle, which is a modern word that they use for polygamy. The principle. Uh, the principle. So when they said that, they said Abraham lived polygamy just like Mormon fundamentalists do today. Well, Abraham did not really live the principle of polygamy, as you put it. The polygamy that Abraham lived was a cultural, it wasn't a religious practice. And Abraham only lived with Hagar until she became pregnant. And later, he sent Hagar and Ishmael away. We wonder why polygamists ignore that part of Abraham's story. Now, Hagar was a concubine. She wasn't a wife. The word used in the original language referring to Hagar means 
a lesser position than Sarah was to Abraham. So Hagar wasn't a wife like Sarah was a wife, and he did not live the principle as you put it. In fact, there was no man in the entire Bible who ever took multiple wives that even closely resembles the practice of Mormon polygamy. God never commanded Abraham or Sarah to hand over Hagar to polygamy. And for those who doubt what I just said, we're going to read from Joseph Smith's own revision of the Bible, and we're going to take from Genesis 16 a couple of very pertinent verses to this matter. First of all, verse 2. And Sarah said unto Abram, Behold, now the Lord hath restrained me from bearing. I pray thee, go in unto my maid. It may be that I obtain children by her. And Abram hearkened unto the voice of Sarah. Not, Abraham not God. <laughs> hearkened to the voice of Sarah. Now this is from the Joseph Smith translation. Mm-hmm. Hagar got pregnant. Abraham hearkened. So, and Hagar got pregnant and she took advantage of the situation and began harassing Sarah. And it upset Sarah so much that she appealed to Abram. And this is what she said to Abraham in verse 5. And Sarah said unto Abram, My wrong is upon thee. I have given my maid unto thy bosom. And when... She saw that she had conceived, I was despised in her eyes, the Lord judge between me and thee. Now, if you compare the wording in Joseph Smith's translation to the King James Bible, there's very little difference. There's no meaning difference at all. But we see that Joseph Smith records in his own translation that it was wrong for them to do what they did. It was, Sarah says it was wrong. She says, my wrong is upon thee. It was wrong for Sarah uh, to do what she did and wrong for Abraham to accept it. It was Sarah. It wasn't God who suggested Abraham take Sarah and Sarah admitted it was the wrong thing to do for both of them. So why (laughs) did Joseph Smith later say it was right? Yeah. And why can't the polygamist see the truth in this passage? It's so easy to see. Yeah, and Sarah was, she was, she knew of the promise that Abraham, Abraham had been given, and mm-hmm. just thought she'd take matter into her own hands rather than trusting God. Rather than trusting God yeah. to bring it through. That's yeah. exactly right. Yeah. And so, based on that alone, we don't believe polygamy can possibly be what the Mormons, uh, Mormon polygamists claim it is, because it wasn't what yeah, Abraham. Yeah, they always was refer to, to Abraham, do. don't they? Always do. <laughs> yeah. Okay, the next question. Joseph Smith was led by God to bring a restoration of the gospel. Polygamy was simply the restoration of the original ordinance of plural marriage that was lived in the Bible. What's wrong with that? Okay, good question. What is wrong with that? Well, nothing's wrong with it if it were true. You refer to the Bible as the authority for living polygamy. That's something that we always talk about here and just did. And we always ask our viewers to show us in the Bible where God has ordained or commanded polygamy. No one's ever come up with the passage yet. No. The original ordinance of marriage was monogamy, and we quote from Genesis chapter 2, verses 21 through 24. Yes, and so the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep, and while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. Now, all the descriptions in this passage about marriage are all, all of them are singular. One man, one woman, one rib, (laughs) one husband, one wife, 
one ceremony. This is God's model for marriage, and Jesus reaffirmed the Genesis record and monogamy for marriage in Matthew 19, verses 4 through 6. Pick up your Bible and read it to prove what I'm saying here is true. And yes, polygamy is in the Bible. The viewer asked that question. Well, polygamy is in the Bible. Yeah, it's there. But we also read about rape and cheating and murder and adultery and idolatry and many other awful sins against God that humans think up to harm each other. But you know what? Just because the Bible records those behaviors doesn't mean that God accepts them and that we have to live them. Polygamy was wrong then and polygamy is wrong now. There was no restoration because a restoration must have an original (laughs) to restore from and nothing resembles biblical originals. Joseph Smith merely copied and then twisted what he copied and called it a restoration. From a member of the Mormon Church. Well, just mm-hmm. I was just going to say one thing mm-hmm. that uh, one thing that struck me coming out of Mormonism was the the concept that when was a time when uh, we needed polygamy, so to speak, ever if it wasn't Adam and Eve and even Noah and, and Noah. his one wife. Yeah. Th- there was a time when we needed a righteous seed for mm-hmm. sure, mm-hmm. and yet they were both uh, monogamous. It was all married. monogamy, wasn't all it? Monogamous very, very good point. So this is from a member of the church. I don't condemn you for your beliefs. Why do you condemn me for mine? The simple truth is either the Catholics are God's church or the Mormons are. Either they have the authority from the time of Christ through Peter or a restoration had to take place. All other churches are false, including the church of the believers. I know the truth. I've had the witness from the Holy Ghost as Christ promised. I know he lives and has a body of flesh and bone. I know God lives as well and is Christ's Father. He also has a body of flesh and bone. Jesus said, by the way, where does it say in the Bible, by the way, where does it say that the Bible is the end of all scripture and that there isn't any other? You do believe that, right? So where does that belief come from since it isn't a teaching of Christ? Thanks in advance. Okay, a lot of good questions in that letter, and we've covered many of them on previous shows, but we thought we'd include this letter because it was very, it's a very recent letter. First of all, you asked why we condemn your beliefs, um, condemn you for your beliefs. Uh, we have never condemned any person on this show ever. We do uh, bring up false doctrine and false teachings and false prophets, but we never condemn any person. And, and so... Um, we're not condemning you. I don't know why you would think we do that. And the, you said that the simple truth is either the Catholics are true or the Mormons are. <laughs> why? <laughs> I mean, why aren't the Buddhists true? Why aren't the Muslims true? And why aren't the Christians true? Why, why did you pick on those two? Just because of Peter? I mean, we don't get your thinking there. God's true church is actually the total number of all believers around the world throughout the centuries after Christ ascended into heaven. And there is no such thing as an only true church which man has organized. It doesn't exist. Yeah, and where two or three are gathered in my name, or Two or three. You, yeah. you, you're absolutely right. And, and as far as it's either the Catholics or the Mormons, the either or scenario has absolutely no historical and no biblical basis. Jesus gave all authority to all disciples, not just to Peter. Now, he gave the keys. He said he gave the kingdom, the kingdom uh, to uh, heaven, uh, the key to the kingdom of heaven to Peter. But that key is the gospel message. 
And Peter used that key and opened the door to the Gentiles in Acts chapter 2. Yeah. And then, and at that point, we all have who have the true gospel have the key, that, which is the gospel message to get people into heaven. Now, you said you know the truth and you know that Jesus lives in a body of flesh and bones. Well, you know what? I, I Don't take me wrong here, but even the devil and the demons know that Jesus has a body of flesh and bones. The requirement is that you must believe Jesus Christ is who he said he was, God Almighty. Jesus said in John 8 that if you do not believe that he is who he claimed to be, you can't go to heaven. And Jesus claimed he was God. Sadly, just like Gordon Hinckley said, the Jesus, our follow, the, the Jesus the Mormons follow is a different Jesus. Now, you said you also know that God also has a body of flesh and bones and that he's Christ's father. But God is not the literal father of Jesus as Mormonism teaches. His position of father in the Trinity is not fatherhood by sexual relations. And if you believe that God has a body of flesh and bones, then you don't believe what Jesus taught about God. Our first quote. <laughs> From John 4:24, God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. Now keep that verse in mind. After he was resurrected, Jesus met and talked with two of his disciples on the road to Emmaus and listened to what he told these two men. See my hand and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And, okay. he's, and he's already said God's a spirit. He so. already said God is a spirit, and now he says that a spirit doesn't have flesh and bones. Yeah. So who's telling the truth? You, you really must make a decision because this is an eternity-changing decision to determine who's, taking the who's telling the truth and then follow that person. If Joseph Smith's telling the truth, of course follow him. But if Jesus is telling the truth, then you need to make a turnaround. Jesus said God is a spirit That's and right. has no bones, flesh and bones. We have another scripture here in 1 Timothy. Yes, 1 Timothy 1.17, Now to the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. So God is invisible. That's what it says. What does invisible mean? Well, he certainly wouldn't have a body of flesh and bones. That's, That's right. right. He couldn't see him in a vision. Yeah. Numbers 23.19. God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should change his mind. God is not a man. He doesn't have a body of flesh and bones. He's not a man. And the Joseph Smith translation never changed that verse. First Samuel 15, 29. He who is the glory of Israel does not lie or change his mind, for he is not a man that he should change his mind. Again, it's another one. Just We're just piling on the verses here. God is not a man, and the Joseph Smith translation never changed that verse either. God doesn't. God cannot lie. He's not a man with flesh and bones. He's a spirit, and as a spirit, he's invisible. And Jesus, as uh, God, made God visible through his birth on this planet. And then he says why, he asks the question at the end of this letter, why do we say that the Bible is the end of all scripture? Well, I'm going to give you two scriptures to start with, and then you can do your own Bible study on it. But Proverbs chapter 30, verses 5 and 6, and Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 is a good start. And you know, we really don't need more, <laughs> because no. God doesn't have to say something more than once to make it 
true and for us to be able to believe him. You know, I was going to say too about the Melchizedek priesthood, there's never an indication in the, in the Bible, in the New Testament, that Jesus ever gave anybody the Melchizedek priesthood. That's absolutely right. Yeah. It's not transferable. Right. Yeah. In fact, the Mormon Bible that, that they had printed, King James Bible printed by the Deseret Printing, used to say that at the, on, on Hebrews, they used to have a footnote that said, not transferable. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I looked and looked and looked for a Bible that said that. I haven't found haven't it, so found they've one. obviously quit doing that. But yeah. they did used to have that one. Yeah. Okay, we have another email to read. Yes, just wondering what Bible you read. Were not our prophets of old polygamist? Abraham comes to mind. Also, you talk of prophets as if they never should make mistakes. They do. Moses made mistakes, and he was perhaps one of the greatest prophets. I find it strange that your whole ministry is devoted to tearing down another's beliefs. You should worry about your everlasting soul and let the Mormons worry about theirs. Jesus preached love and understanding and tolerance. Do you not believe him? I have often wondered about those looking for religion in their lives, why they would join any religion that would teach hate in one way or another. Your vitriol is not Christ-like. <laughs> Gives us a good chance to, to explain more of what we believe. You know, we do read and quote mostly from the King James Bible or the NIV Bible. And both of them are valid and accurate translations. If you don't believe me, do your own research on it. And, and, and I've heard, by the way, both versions, the King James and the NIV, quoted and read on the BYU Roundtable discussions. Oh, yeah. So if they use those translations, why would there be a problem with our Mormon viewers if we use them? And then and when did we ever say that Old Testament prophets <laughs> never made mistakes? We've never said that. In truth, we've always said that biblical polygamy was wrong, no matter who it was, if it was Abraham or David or whoever it was that lived it. It was wrong. That wasn't God's will. But let's look at your Mormon prophet for a minute. If you're going to compare biblical with Mormon prophets, your Mormon prophet took other men's wives for his own plural wives while they were still living with their other husbands. That's adultery. Your Mormon prophet took his sexual partners and plural wives, at least two 14-year-old girls, at least two 16-year-old girls, and he was more than double their age. That describes a pedophile, especially when he used spiritual blackmail to get them into his bed. He threatened people with absolute silence. He repeatedly lied about it. And worst of all, he claimed God told him to do it. No Bible prophet ever behaved like this. The Mormon arguments for polygamy insisted as right because the Old Testament prophets did and that they were righteous people. So it must be the right thing to do. The early Mormon prophets preached that polygamy was a necessity for eternal life which makes polygamy the savior instead of Jesus. And that makes every single Mormon or polygamous leader who has condoned polygamy to be a false prophet. Our whole ministry, as you put it, is not to tear down another's beliefs, but it is to expose false, unbiblical doctrine. And if that tears down your belief, then perhaps you should be grateful to know the truth instead of tearing us down. How grateful were you to find the truth when you found it? Oh, it's, it's just been, I just praise God continually 
I to, do to too. have my eyes open. I do know? too. Yeah. Uh, when, in my prayers, I still thank God for showing me the truth. I'm so grateful to whoever produced the information that it took for me yeah. to find the truth. Our show has always been forced on or, or focused on informing polygamists that polygamy does not save people. People need to know it wasn't God, but it was their sinful leaders who commanded polygamy. You told us not to worry about the Mormon souls. Well, where in the Bible did it tell us no. not to worry about the eternal soul of others? That's right. In fact, the opposite yeah. is true. That isn't love at all. And if you think that Jesus preached love and understanding and tolerance, you need to read <laughs> Matthew chapter 23 in its entirety and find out precisely what Jesus thought about the religious leaders who were leading the people astray. He verbally ripped them to shreds. He called them vipers and snakes and hypocrites and liars. We have never gone that far on our show, not yet. Jesus often embarrassed and challenged those leaders, warning them of the hellfire that they were headed for because of their false beliefs and their false teachings. Jesus wasn't tolerant of sin. He pointed out sin. He made whips. He angrily entered the temple grounds. He turned over the tables and blasted them against unacceptable practices. And isn't it love that takes risks and warns people of false doctrine? We point polygamists and anyone else to the Jesus who saves us. What is vitriolic about that? I know. It's, it's just amazing that... Um people continually say that about Jesus, that he was just, he never did anything like that. And yet yeah. we, we know from the Bible that he did actually take, uh, take exception to hypocrites, especially mm -hmm. people, whited sepulchers, they yeah. called them, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, dead grapes. men's bones dead on men's the inside. Bones. And, and, and so it was good looking normal for him to do that. It wasn't an exception. It was, no. it's all through all the gospels yeah. that he did yeah. that. Yeah. So. Next, we get so many people who accuse us of spewing hate. And we want to ask you, please tell us when we have advocated, inspired, or encouraged hatred. When have we looked into these cameras and told people to hate other people? If exposing false prophets and false teachings is hatred, then you need to put Jesus Christ in that category too. And also Joseph Smith, because this is what he said. My object in going to inquire of the Lord was to know which of all the sects was right, that I might know which to join. I asked the personages who stood above me in the light, which of all the sects was right and which I should join. I was answered that I must join none of them, for they were all wrong. And the personage who addressed me said that all their creeds were an abomination in his sight, that those professors were all corrupt, that they draw near to me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They teach for doctrines, the commandments of men having a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. He again forbade me to join with any of them. Okay, <laughs> so here we see Joseph Smith calling everyone's belief corrupt and an abomination. Yeah. He can do that, it's a revelation, and we do that and we're spewing hatred. What has <laughs> happened to our culture? A very interesting point regarding Smith's claims here is that he said God forbade him from joining any church. But in 1828, guess what he did? 
tried to join the or did join the Methodist the Church. The Methodist Church. Yeah. So something's wrong with this picture. We don't spew hatred out on this show. Jesus commanded the ancient church at Ephesus or commended the ancient church at Ephesus for hating false religious practices in Revelation 2. Yeah, 2 6. But you have this in your favor. You hate the practices of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. So notice he said, they hate the practices of these people. Yeah, not the people. <laughs> not the people. And Jesus said he also hated the practices, but he didn't say he hated the people. And we've never said that we hated the people either. In fact, over and over again, we, we yeah. express our love for the people that, were, that are caught up in this bondage of false belief and false works for salvation. Yeah, it's, it's not the Mormons, it's Mormonism. It's not the polygamists, it's polygamy. Right, it's yeah. the doctrine that leads them into that. You know, I might mention just one other thing um, about the different Bibles. Yeah. Um, I, uh, something came up the other day, someone mentioned this, and so I'm kind of repeating it. Um, I won't do it probably justice, but they were saying that they had the feeling that Mormons, I don't know that I did this, but felt like that all the translations that came about later were translations of the King James Version. Mm -hmm, that's that they I just thought. took the King James Version and just kind and of... And reworded it. Yeah, took yeah. out the plain and precious things and just, and just reworded it for the new translations. But the truth is, in NIV, for example, there were over a hundred scholars. They uh -huh. came back with... I mean, the King James was done in 1611, so there's been a few discoveries since 1611. So they and took changes in language too. Exactly, and so they brought in a hundred scholars. Uh, all kinds of churches were represented, all kinds uh -huh. of scholars, right. and all these new manuscripts, and came up with a, a more current, up-to-date kind of a version. And, and uh -huh. it isn't in current language. Yeah, in current language, it, it isn't like they ruined the King James version. They mm -hmm. just brought in. Uh, new technology mm -hmm. and the new new knowledge that we all have. And they and translated it from the scrolls exact, from into the, the NIV, not from the King James into the right, NIV. Right, the Hebrew, the Aramaic, right. and the Greek. Mm -hmm. They used those, that basis for their... Wow. So I think that, uh, I just wanted to say that because I think there's a confusion. As, I mean, I still use the King James. I was brought up on that, and I, mm -hmm. I love the King James. I have looked at the other ones, and... And they dealt, do tell the same core doctrine. And they, yes, they uh, do. Fact, there's, been, there's no change so in doctrine anyway, I just wanted in to mention any of the that. translations. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And that, thank you for bringing that up. I hope that helps some of our viewers. Now, we want to address uh, some handwritten letters. we got several of them here. We obviously can't read, it, read them all. Uh, Earl has a couple that's not here. These are written to various people that do various shows on TV20, written to me, written to... Earl and yeah, so on. I have them. <laughs> um, we don't know who it is. The viewer did not identify herself. We think it's a she because of the handwriting looks more feminine. Yes. Um, so we're going to refer to this writer as a she during the discussion. If you're a he, please forgive us. Uh, and, but we're not going to glamorize all of the nonsense by reading every letter, but we're going to summarize them as, and so you'll kind of get the idea. Now, first of all, this I find kind of odd, that this woman frequently mocked my age. Now, we can't help but wonder why anyone would do that. Who is exempt from growing older? Yeah. Uh, there's only one alternative to growing older, and I consider myself blessed by God that my years have continued. And laughing at older people is actually very cruel. Why would she and others use cruelty to testify that their religion is true? 
In all of her letters, she made many biblical references in her effort to prove the Mormon church and Joseph Smith's restoration is authentic. We're going to discuss some of those scriptures that she used and demonstrate how they are invariably pulled out of context, then used to pull the wool over the eyes of their members, leading them on the path, as Jesus said, to destruction. Look at what Jesus said in the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 6, He also told them this parable, Can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? <laughs> Which is so true. That is so true. We cannot safely follow blind guides and blind religious leaders. Jesus has personally warned us where it will lead to. So we've kind of uh, organized uh, in topical, the, her comments uh, in topical categories and then explain our beliefs as opposed to her, what she has written in these letters. And our first category is the great apostasy. She made mention of that several times. Yeah. Yeah. And these verses that we have, we're not using all the verses because we don't have time, but these are some of the verses that she used. First Timothy 4.1 is one of them. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. And in Matthew 16, 18 it says, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Okay, now she used these as proof texts that there was an apostasy. Yeah. In 1 Timothy, it, it says in the latter times, some will depart from the faith. Not a great apostasy, no. not a huge one. And it's, it is taking place today, but not everybody has left the faith. I, I, I taught this, I believed it, that there was a great apostasy and a need for a restoration. And I fall back on the where two or three are gathered and we have mm -hmm. the Bible. Yeah. There was just, and you're yeah. right, it's, it talks about uh, some departing from the faith, not, not everybody. Not That's you know. right. That's actually right. And then when Jesus says, I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall yeah. not prevail against it. The language here is that his church will beat down the gates of hell with the truth. That's what that means. In other words, his church wins. Yeah. Now, if that isn't true, Jesus lied. But it is true. So that means Mormonism lied. Jesus promised that he would be with his people in Matthew 28, 20, always, even to the end of the age. What does always mean? Yeah, it means forever. Always. <laughs> <laughs> it means always. How can there have been an apostasy when the gospel that saves us is clearly stated in 1 Corinthians 15, 2, 3, 5, and the information hasn't been lost, the information hasn't been changed. It's always been there. Yeah, this is very good. By this gospel you're saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you've believed in vain. For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. So the gospel message that saves us is very simple. Jesus died for our sins. Yeah. He was buried. He was resurrected and he was seen by hundreds of people. Now these are historical facts. They have remained the same as it's been written here through all generations. It has withstood all opposing religions and still does. And it remains the same today as it was 2,000 years ago. No apostasy, no loss of the gospel, no corruption, no need for restoration. So what was lost that has anything to do with saving us? I know this is going to sound a little negative, but I have heard this kind of a, a comment 
about Joseph Smith being in the grove and seeing the father and the son, knowing that Jesus has said that the gates of hell would not prevail against his, uh, his church. And there Joseph Smith now is being asked to restore the church. Yeah. And there's Jesus standing there. Yeah, uh, he's saying, you knowing, blew it. <laughs> yeah, you, you couldn't do it, Jesus. And um, so now you need me to come in and step in and restore it. A little 14-year-old boy. Yeah. It just doesn't make sense. It, it, there is no sense in that. Uh, the gospel that saves us wasn't lost or corrupted. We just read it in 1 Corinthians 15. The Savior who saves us, he hasn't been lost or corrupted. Churches have been corrupted and corrupt churches have introduced religious works into God's simple gospel of grace. But churches have come and gone and churches don't save us. The truth remains solid and immovable. The lady quoted a ton of Bible verses to prove that the Mormon church is true and that there was an apostasy. One thing she doesn't understand is that these scriptures are specifically referring to the future not the past. As usual, context is totally ignored, which makes her applications invalid. One of the biggest ones that she quoted is 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1-4. through 4. Concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered to Him, we ask you, brothers, not to become easily unsettled or alarmed by some prophecy, report, or letter supposed to have come from us, saying that the day of the Lord has already come. Do not let anyone deceive you in any way, for that day will not come until the rebellion occurs and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the man doomed to destruction. He will oppose and will exalt himself over everything that is called God or worshipped, so that he sets himself up in God's temple, proclaiming himself to be God. Okay, now that might sound like a, a great apostasy that, that might have taken place, um, but that's describing a future event not a past event. That's talking about the Antichrist. Yeah. The Antichrist will be revealed at a future time. It hasn't happened yet. So there wasn't an apostasy in the past that needed restoration. Now we're going to uh, take our mid-show break right now and open up the telephone lines for our viewers. If you want to call in, enter our conversation, ask questions, make comments, you're invited to do so. Our phone number is 801-973-8820. Instead of showing our regular clip for uh, the mid-show break today, we're going to be talking about um, the TV20. Uh, we've talked before about the TV20 station is up for sale and that we would keep you updated. So I'm going to give you some information about what's going on Good. with this. Uh, of course, our days of broadcasting live from the television station are almost over. Many of our viewers have enjoyed watching our show on their television sets, and they really don't like the idea of having to watch our show on a computer or on a mobile device. There are some very easy and effective options for you to continue to watch our show on, on your television. All you need is an adequate internet connection with Wi-Fi, uh, and a simple, inexpensive little device that you can get at practically any retail store like Walmart or Best Buy or even Amazon.com. Now some of the options are uh, you can get a Roku player, 
uh, Roku, we've got a box here of, of the one that uh, our producer has used, and he says it works just fine on his television. It's the one that we recommend, the, the highest recommendation for viewing our programming because we are developing our own personal, dedicated, I should say, yeah. Roku channel. And you'll have easy access to all of our programming right there on your television whenever you want it. It's as simple as picking up your remote control and selecting what channel that you want to watch from a list. And to learn about Roku, you can visit their, web, their website. The second choice is Chromecast, which right. I haven't had any, um, you've had, I think, some experience I have, with. And from what we're told from our good friend Scott, is that you need an iPad or a, an iPhone in order to work Chromecast. Okay. Uh, whereas the Roku actually has its own remote control. Okay, so, so, probably a better so that would be the remote control, but you'd still need Wi-Fi and an HDTV computer um, and a computer or mobile device, like you just said. Right. And you can go to their website also uh, for more information. There's also YouTube and Vimeo. All of our programming is currently available on YouTube. Every program we've done is on the internet right now, and our future shows will also go on the internet. So uh, we are also in the process of making it available on Vimeo. Now, before you run out and buy another device, you need to know that many Wi-Fi-ready uh, Blu-ray players, HDTVs, as well as devices like Xbox, have the ability to stream directly into your television. So if you have any of these devices, check your documentation on how to connect it to your TV. And we're going to continue to broadcast, produce, and broadcast our weekly shows. And you're going and to mine, continue mine as well. to do your show uh, yes, that the, we show on Friday nights. Right. And we'll continue to post them on the Internet. And by using any of these services, you will be able to watch from your television set just as you do now. You can go to our webpage. It's here on the screen, whatloveisthis.tv, and click How to Stay Caught Up. And that will give you continuing information as we go on uh, towards <laughs> our goal of ending our live programming on TV20. It looks like, it's not definite, but it looks like it might be about mid-June that our, we will be doing our final live show. And again, we will keep you posted with yeah, all of that. It's kind of sad. This is a, a great time. We see more activity in Mormons, uh, hopefully polygamists as well, coming to to learn new things f because of the internet and so on. Mm -hmm. and, and it's ex an exciting time. So it's kind of sad to see the station. Uh, it is. It's gonna, we're going we're gonna to so, shed a few tears, yeah. I'm sure, of, <laughs> of um, a lot of great memories here. Well, we do have a lot left to talk about tonight, but we also have some of our viewers on the telephone, yeah. so we'll answer their calls. Okay. So first of all, we have David calling from Salt Lake City. Hello, David. Hello. Thank you for taking my call. I just wanted to point out a few things. Uh, Abraham had three wives. Jacob had four wives. That's listed in Genesis uh, 16, 25, and Genesis 30. Mm -hmm. Abijah had 14 wives in 2 Chronicles 13. Solomon had 700 wives and concubines in 1 Kings 11. Mm, what's your David point? David had two David. wives. David, what's your point? Wives. David, what's like, your point? I'd like to read in 2 no, Samuel chapter No, I'm 10. sorry. David, David, you're not going to read to us on the air, please. We've gone through all these scriptures on many, many previous shows. We don't have time for you to read on the air. Make your point, and I'll be happy to answer. Second Samuel 12 says that the Lord <laughs> gave... Uh, Excuse me, I asked you not to read. 
on the air. We know what you're saying that David gave that God gave David his wives. Okay, what is your point, sir? Okay, the point is that in the New Testament it states that Abraham went to heaven, and also Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob right. were in heaven. Right. Matthew uh, Matthew eight. Right. Luke thirteen and six uh, chapter right. sixteen also. Uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were the lineage of the chosen line. So I don't think that uh, polygamy was not just a cultural thing. It was commanded by God. Where? God, David, where did God command it? Well, in, if you'd let me read Second Samuel, it says that the Lord gave... It doesn't say God I, commanded it, uh, sir. It doesn't say God commanded polygamy anywhere in the Bible. I'd like a chapter and verse where God commanded polygamy to go to heaven. Would you please give me a chapter and verse? Well, if you'll read Second Samuel, I've read it. chapter 12, <laughs> I've, 7 and 8. I've read it 500 times, and we've talked about it on the show two or three dozen times. Well, the, the, but, the, uh, but we David, know that uh, David, prophets... David, where did God command polygamy? Where Can I did, make my comment? No, you have to answer my question first. Where did God? You said God commanded polygamy. Answer my question, please. I didn't say where? He commanded polygamy. I said refer to this verse where the Lord you, gave these wives. You said earlier that God David. commanded the polygamy. Okay, let's go back to Abraham and Jacob and so on. Abraham did not have three wives at the same time. He married Keturah after Sarah was dead. Um, Jacob had four wives that were all. all Three of them were foisted on him. He didn't want them. He wanted Rachel. She's the only one he ever truly loved. Yes, he did have the four wives. God never told him to live polygamy. God never told David to live polygamy or Solomon. In fact, every polygamous story in the Bible, every single one of them is a negative story. Every one of them is. You won't find in the Bible anywhere where God commanded polygamy. And David being given those wives uh, of, of um, Saul, King Saul, King Saul was old enough to be David's father. And King Saul's only had one concubine, and she would have been old enough to have been David's mother. Was, was, uh, was uh, let me ask you this question, was Abraham, Jacob, and da Solomon and David, were they practicing adultery? They were going against God's perfect law of monogamy, and in the Ten Commandments it says, Thou shalt not commit adultery. Were if you, they committing adultery? If you take it down to the, the fine line of the law, yes. Okay, then why, why does in the New Testament says that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were in heaven with God? Did you know that God forgives okay. sins when you, for, when you repent? Did you know God does forgive sins to a, a true repentant person? The last thing I would say to you is the Bible says that the Scripture is of no private interpretation. That's right. It's only to be interpreted by prophets. No, 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 it doesn't say that. <laughs> that is, no, and you, you read into that. It does not say it's only to be interpreted by prophets. It says prophets wrote down according to what the Holy Spirit led them to do. We all have, the uh, First John, in fact, tells us that we all who have accepted the truths of the Bible will receive the interpretation by the Holy Spirit. Well, All of us. that's your interpretation. No, well, there you go. <laughs> that's what you, it says. you know, don't take it out of context, sir, because that really messes up the Bible when you do that. Well, you know, thank you, Joe. Thank you, David. We have got. Thank you for letting me comment. We have a lot of other calls coming in. Thanks for calling. 
Okay, line two. We have Joseph calling from Layton. Hello, Joseph. Hello. Hi, you're on the air. Awesome. Okay, there's a two-part question. First, I read in DNC uh, 108, or sorry, 88108, I think it is, that Joseph Smith said we will become as equal as him. Can you please uh, clarify that? We're that no, we're not going to do a Doctrine and Covenant study here. We talk about the Bible, okay? I, I don't. No, no, but, but Joseph Smith is saying that they can become gods. Oh, oh, I'm sorry, okay. Uh, well, yeah, we know that they teach that. Yeah. That that there's there's that's not true, of course. The, the very clearly the Do you Bible. You point me in the Bible in the the part in the Bible where it's kind of like correct. I have a list of forty five places in the Bible where it says that you cannot become a god, and there's only one god. Uh, if you want to leave the operator your email, I'll be happy to send it to you. But a good place to start would be Isaiah chapters forty three through about forty six. Yeah. Yeah. And I got one more question. I'm, I'm a little confused. When when they they teach that you will be sealed for eternity, but then Jesus says we will be like angels in heaven. Is there any Jesus doesn't there? Jesus doesn't say we will be like angels in heaven. Uh, he made that remark when he said that there's no marriages in heaven, that, that we will be in a single state in heaven like the angels are. But the angels are a totally different uh, creation uh, of not there we humans will not be like angels okay so like like the whole uh, eternal marriage thing is like it doesn't it says that's pretty much false it oh yes definitely Jesus very clearly said there's no marriages in heaven and um, Romans chapter 7 I think says that marriage ends at death um, but but um, I think that answered the question. Yeah, Did that answer your so. question? <laughs> yeah, it did. I, I guess it didn't say uh, to become one soul. I guess it said to become one flesh. Well, it, it says that in Genesis, yeah. and J Jesus also said the two become one. Yeah. Okay. And, okay, so they're, they're just talking about, like, earthly flesh, yes. not right. spiritual. The two shall become one flesh, yes. Awesome. You answered my question. Thank you very much. Okay, <laughs> thanks for calling. Appreciate it. All right. Bye-bye. Mm -hmm. no, Bye. Okay, line three, we have Al in Salt Lake City. Hello, Al. Uh, yes. You're on the air. Uh, hi, is this Doris? Yes, it is. Doris and Earl. Hi, uh, Doris and Bishop Earl. We just uh, praise God for you both. And uh, thank you for fighting the good faith. And also, uh, my wife, Debbie, was on uh, Bishop Earl's program. She gave oh. her testimony. Great. And I, think, and I thank you, Doris, so much that you know the word, and we've got to find a way for you and Bishop Earl to continue. I'm so sad to hear that TV20 is not going to be around anymore. Yeah. Well, we're still going to broadcast on the Internet, and hopefully uh, many of our viewers will be able to get the necessary devices to continue to watch us on their television set through the Internet. You well, you bet. Well, I really appreciate you. My uh, Thank you. grandmother was a, a minister of the Pentecostal Holiness Church, the first one ever, and she's the one that told me about uh, God. Mm. And I'm just so thankful for both of you. Thank and you. And we have nobody in this city that's doing anything for the Lord, it seems as. You oh, know? there's, and, there's uh, a lot of work being done. Churches all the churches that we go to just seem to be preaching wishy-washy churches. I'm talking about 
good that used to be good churches. Well, there, and, there's some very good uh, churches out there preaching the gospel. It just takes a little work yes. to find them, but they're there. Thank you, Colleen, for calling, Al. We you appreciate bet. it. Thank you, Al. You take care. Appreciate good it. Good night. Bye-bye. Mm -hmm. Bye. Okay. Uh, line one, we have James from Spanish Fork. Hello, James. James? Turn down your TV set. Turn the volume down, James. Hello? Hey. Hi, you're on the air, James. You're on the air. Hello, James? Yes, ma'am. You're on the air. What's your question? Okay. Hey, ma'am. Uh, I wanted to say that aren't all the images on the temples a graven image of Moroni and not of Christ? And we shouldn't be, I mean, we should be <laughs> worshiping Christ and not a graven image? Well, you can speak that. to that one. <laughs> yeah, we do agree with that, but I don't know that they, Mormons bow down to, no, they to don't. that in particular. They don't, but they do use a lot of symbolism around the temple and in, inside the temple as well, and not too much about Jesus and no crosses. Yeah. Yeah. No crosses and no symbols of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Okay, thank Thanks, you, James. James. Okay, we only have a few minutes left, and we have a lot yeah. uh, to go through. So let's skip down to um, the restoration. We'll go quickly through that. Um, since there was no apostasy, that would be just below what we were doing on okay, the apostasy. Sure. Since there was no apostasy, of course, there wouldn't need to be yeah. a legitimate restoration. And this letter writer used Acts chapter 3 frequently as her biblical support that Joseph Smith brought a restoration. So let's read Acts chapter 3, 19 through 21. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, that he may send the Christ who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. He must remain in heaven until the time comes for God to restore everything, as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. So they use that as Joseph Smith being the one to, to come restore. and do this, restore everything. It's been applied to Joseph Smith. Now, very frequently, Joseph Smith took on the attributes of Jesus or some of the jobs of <laughs> Jesus, and, and the, the church has actually done that to him since he died. But restoring everything is something Jesus alone does when he returns. Right and restores God's original creation. At that time, sin and, the de and death and the devil and rebellion and false religion and all the rest will be removed and perfect righteousness will be restored. This will be done by Jesus in the future. It was not done and it was not begun by Joseph Smith. It's Jesus' job alone. The Apostle Paul wrote in Ephesians 3.21, Unto him, God, be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. So this promises that Christ's church yeah. will remain forever through all the ages and glorify God through all the ages. Now, what does the word all mean? Again, it's, you know, <laughs> what does it mean? All ages. It couldn't have been lost. Shall we believe Joseph Smith who lied to us about polygamy for 10 long years? Or shall we believe God with whom it's impossible to lie. for him to, to lie. Jesus is the foundation of his church. Jesus is also the head of his church. He is part of his church. How can anyone accuse Jesus of having failed? Could he really allow his church to fall into corruption? Is it possible for Jesus to lose the sheep despite the fact that he said he would lose none? 
And again, if they truly <laughs> believe that a 14-year-old boy comes and restores what Jesus failed to do, yeah. you're agreeing with Gordon Hinckley, who said the Mormons follow a different Jesus. Okay, let's go to line two and take Anonymous from Provo. Hello, you're on the air. Hello, Doris. Um, I, I have a, a comment for some of the, the people who've been speaking to you, especially the Mormon people. I was LDS for over 40 years. And if they can't understand the teachings of the Bible, listen to the teachings of your own prophet, Joseph Smith, and see how well they sit with you. He was he teaches that there was a pre-existence that we were all brothers and sisters, including Jesus and Lucifer. Everyone on this earth is a spiritual child of a Joseph Smith God with a physical body. That, yes. that God of Joseph Smith then came down to earth and had this physical yes. intercourse Do with you, a virgin yes. named Mary. Do you have a point that you need to make? We're getting really close to the end of the show. Oh, yes. So, so, so the, the, the birth of the LDS Joseph Smith, Jesus Christ, would be a product of incest. That's right. God with his own daughter. Right. Look, if you look at your own teachings, please, I love my Mormon friends so much. Listen to what you're being taught. Thank you very much. That's a very good point. We that's what we hope our viewers will do. Oh, thank you. Thank I you. Sure appreciate you and your teaching. And thank you. God bless you. Mm, me too. Okay, we have just a minute, yeah, and then we, we need we to. Cover that? Do you want to cover that Living Christ article? <laughs> if, 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 well, it, it can. If, if how much time have I got? Do you think well, about a, a minute. minute. Yeah, oh. a minute and a half. Just, just take it well, and run with it. Uh, I just wanted to, uh, we're going to pop up a screen here on the Living Christ document. This is from January 1, 2000, the year 2000. And I, I just, in, in terms of um, kind of the continuation of apostles and prophets that's been discussed, you'll recognize this. It's been signed by the, uh, you may not be able to see this, but there's been signed by the 15 uh, apostles and prophets of the church back in 2000. But if uh, we could focus in on one of the verses there, uh, Scott, I think if you've got that up there, yes. There it is. This is from Ephesians 2.20, and it's just an interesting, subtle little change that I think is, is huge. It's a highly suspicious and minor in nature, but it makes a definite change in the meaning of the Scripture. It says in the document, build upon the foundation of dot, 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 apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. What is the dot, dot, dot? It's the word, the. And if you read it in context, it says, build upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Both the word built is past tense, mm -hmm. and the apostles and prophets reflect the apostles of the Bible right. and the prophets of the Bible, not, not continuing subsequent. apostles mm -hmm. and prophets. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Once you lay a cornerstone and you have a foundation, you don't need to add to it. Right. We have That's the Bible, right. we have their words. And if you'll read that Living Christ document, I think you'll be surprised to see the subtle deception that's included in taking out the word the yeah. and putting in dot, and dot, dot. And they're very subtle. In and by the way, they're both the same size. They're both the same three, <laughs> three spaces. It wasn't like they were taking out a phrase or anything. It right. was just one word. And we said last week in Revelation, when you get to uh, that glimpse of heaven, there are 12 foundations. Yeah, and right. they are 
the twelve apostles. Uh, 12 apostles. The twelve. There's only twelve. And if it wasn't important to do, why would they make that change? Exactly. If it didn't make a difference, why would they make the change? So, so we we decided that we would use our closing comments to sum up what we believe. Okay. And so, Earl, sum up what you believe. Well, in a couple of minutes is almost impossible. Um, yeah, you, I'm just so you gotta, grateful. You have about a minute. <laughs> a minute. Listen, listen to it. Just the joy it's been to 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 begin to worship a God who's greater than once being a man. I think that's that and trusting the Bible has given me the most hope and joy, knowing that by His free gift of grace. Yeah that all my sins have been paid for. There's nothing I can add to that. I can't put God in my debt. I know that I'm able to approach God because of what Jesus did for me, mm -hmm. paid for my sins, and I can stand righteous before God because of what he did for me. So grace, the Bible, who Jesus is, what he did for me, that he was God, he was willing to come down, and uh, it's been such a joy. The burden has is. been lifted off. The burden off, is lifted. And, uh, it's awesome it's, how it's he It's wonderful. That. And I can worship a God who's all-powerful. And you mighty. can go to any church you want to. You don't have That's to go right. to a That's right. Yeah, I enjoy that. <laughs> and that, that it, for me, is basically the same thing what you said. I thought I would sum up by saying religion... Uh, definition of religion is man reaching up to God, where Christianity is God reaching down to us. Religion is striving to achieve self-righteousness, and Christianity rejects works to please God and rests in God's grace alone. Religion is do this, do more, and do it better, but Christianity is it's done, it's finished, and it was finished on the cross 2,000 years ago. True Christianity rests in the finished work of Jesus. That's what grace is. God's grace means no more temples, no more polygamy, no more laws and ordinances. Grace is climbing up on the back of Jesus and trusting him alone to take you into heaven. And that's the only way to get there. <clears throat> if you'll read Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30, um, and see where you're supposed to put your burden on him and then give all of your burden of your religious works to Jesus, then you can rest in him forever. Praise God. Thanks for watching and good night. This has been the audio podcast edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? This program is a production of the Shield and Refuge Ministry and Main Street Church of Brigham City. You can view current and past video episodes as well as download audio episodes of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. If you or someone you know is in need of assistance in leaving a polygamous situation, please contact us. We are here to help. All of our contact information can be found at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 877-425-9993. If you have any questions or comments about this or any of our other programs, we'd love to hear from you. Write us at email at whatloveisthis.tv. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us again.